0: Welcome to the Grace Point Church podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. We are in week three of our series, Uh, What Would Jesus Undo? And if you have been around, you might have seen... um, these bracelets or shirts or bumper stickers that were really, really popular a while back that said W W J D, what would Jesus do? And so in this series, we've been kind of taking a little bit of a, a turn on that on that question and we've been asking, what would Jesus undo? That if Jesus was here, what are the things that he would look at and say, you know what? Those are one of the, that's something that I wish that we could just pull out. That as he looks as a group of people who call ourselves Jesus followers, that we would just get rid of that. And so, <clears throat> I want to start off with a story today. This is a true story. It actually happened to me. And if you've been coming to Grace Point for a while, you know that there is one place where uh, your pastor has really, really a lot of trouble showing grace. Who knows where that is? Huh? No, not at Costco, but close, because Costco sometimes is a madhouse. It's when I'm driving. Yeah, I'm yeah. I, I, I just, I, I want to, but it's so hard to show grace when I'm driving in traffic. It's difficult. I struggle with that. Well, there was one day when I was getting onto the freeway. Uh, it's an on-ramp by one of the malls nearby, and... Uh, I'm pretty sure that most of you who are here today, you probably know which one I'm talking about, but you basically come up the on-ramp, and and in order to get onto the freeway, you have to move over a lane, because that on-ramp, if you stay on it, it's going to exit. So you have to slide over one. So one day, I come up the on-ramp, and I'm at the flat part where I'm level with the the freeway, and I look in my side-view mirror, and I see a car that's coming up. But I think to myself, it's far enough back... And I should be able to move into the lane and and accelerate and have no problems. So I put my turn signal on as I'm moving into the lane, and I look in my rear view mirror, and I must have just misestimated, um, Misunderestimated. That's not a word. <clears throat> I was mistaken on how far the sky, how far back this guy was. And when I looked in my rearview mirror, I mean, he was just coming right up on me and slowed down right behind me and he just leaned on his horn right behind me. Well, I knew that it was my fault because I moved out into the lane. Although I'm pretty sure he was going way more than 60 miles an hour, but I was the one who moved out in the lane. I made the mistake. So I gave him the international signal of I'm sorry. Put your hand up, kind of do like this. You know, sorry, didn't see you. Well, I thought that would be enough. Because, you know, this is what men do. We have signals. Well, it's not enough for this guy. So I see him in my rearview mirror slide out into the next lane. And as he's passing me, he leans on his horn again. And I'm thinking, come on, I thought we were going to be bros here. But no, he's on his horn. And he gives me back the international symbol of... Well, a different international symbol. Yeah, we're not you know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, peel the banana, read between the lines, you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, tell me where God is, I'll show you, and here you he go. Okay, so he's giving me this symbol, this, and as he's screeching by me. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, my daughter always tells me when we're in the car, and I'm about to do something stupid, she says, uh, should you be doing that, Pastor? <laughs> Yeah, my daughter can be rough. So I said, okay, he's speeding by. I was the one who made the problem. I just let it go. Uh, I'm going to be the bigger man, and I'm just going to let him pass by. And as he was driving by me, he slides back into the lane where I am, just close enough for me to know that he is doing it intentionally. And I'm thinking, all right, well, I'm in a four-cylinder Honda, there's no way I'm going to catch up with this guy. So he, start, he slides in, and then he's, he slows down a little bit, and then he starts to go forward. And I think to myself, <clears throat> and then I look on the back window of his car, and he has this. Now, do you know what this is? This is, he is greater than I. It's a a clothing company out of Hawaii. It's a Christian clothing company out of Hawaii. They make shirts and sweats and bracelets and stickers. So this guy has a Christian, he, Jesus is greater than I, sticker on the back of his car. Well, that changes everything. Because I am a pastor. And I'm thinking now, as a man of God, I have an obligation to tell this guy what he's doing that's wrong. I'm like, okay, hold on now, let's talk. But alas, Honda, four cylinders, try as I might, I couldn't catch him. I just had to let the guy go. Now, I feel like I shouldn't even have to say this, but if you're a Christian and you have a Christian bumper sticker on your car, please refrain from using the international symbol of Jesus is up there. <laughs> because things like that, I think, is one of the things that if Jesus is here and he could undo, those are, that's one of the things that Jesus would undo. And when we ask the question, what would Jesus undo? I think the thing that he would ask us to undo is hypocrisy. That we say something on the outside, but the way that we behave on the inside is completely different. That we would undo this behavior or this attitude where we can act one way when people are around, when we think people are watching us, and be completely different otherwise. In fact, The Pew Research Poll recently put out, did a study, 2,000 different people. Uh, And what what they found out was was that the number one reason that non-Christians complain about Christians is because of hypocrisy. That we talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. And listen, you know, there's this old pastor's joke where where this guy says, um, you know, the reason I don't go to church is, this guy goes up to the pastor and he says, the reason I don't go to church is because there's so many hypocrites, and the pastor asks uh, answers him and says, well, why don't you just come on over because we could always use one more, you know? <laughs> which is funny. I love that one. That's a good one. The problem with it, though, is I think that if we, if we leave it there and just laugh at it, that we forget that for a lot of people that there's real pain that there's real injury that has happened to them, that somewhere in their walk, that there was someone in their life who claimed to be a follower of Jesus, but didn't act that way. And some of you have experienced this firsthand. Some of you have, have, been, have had people in your life who call themselves Christian and they've hurt you, or they've lied to you. Uh, people that you've look, looked up to and they've deceived you. And there are people who have walked away Completely walked away from the church, and with that, walked away from God because of that. In fact, there's probably some of you who are here today, some of you who are watching us online, and the reason that you're not a Christian is because you've had too many Christians in your life. And you've already seen it, and you don't want to have anything to do with it. And that is a huge problem for us. I, I love this quote by the theologian, uh, his name was Brennan Manning, and he says this, he says, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny Him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving, unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Now, I have friends who I went to high school with. I have relatives who, if you ask them today, they will tell you that they're an atheist. But you see, they're not an atheist because... They read a book and did some research and studied and they came to the logical conclusion that after I weigh everything, that there is no God. That's not why they became an atheist. Most people who will tell you that they're atheists today, the reason that they became atheists is because they used to be a Christian and someone hurt them. Or someone misrepresented Jesus to them. And the only other option, when they walked away from the church, And when they walked away from Christians, the only other option was there must not be a God. So today, as we look at what hypocrisy is, the first thing that we have to do is, I think we have to define what hypocrisy is not. See, hypocrisy is not the difference between what we do and what we wish we did. It's not the difference between what we do and what we wish we did. See, it's not the difference between I wish that I, 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 I had done this and I really wanted to do it, but I couldn't do it. It's not, you know, I wish I didn't have any bad thoughts, but they just came into my head and I didn't want to have them, but they came anyway. I wish that I didn't do this thing. I wish that I had done this thing and I really did want to do it. I really didn't want to do it, but it just happened. That's not hypocrisy. That really is just us having to live in a a life in this world where we all do things sometimes that we wish we didn't do. It is really just a result of sin in the world today. Sin in life today. That's not what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show other people and who we really are. It's the difference between what we say and how we live. And it's the word that Jesus would use. In fact, when he was talking all throughout the time that he was here, the the Gospels record Jesus and and how he preached and how he talked to people. And the word that Jesus would use to describe people who were doing these things, who were living one way but felt inside differently, that had a public persona that was different from their private character, the word that he used was the Greek word hypocrites That's what that is. hypocrites hypocrites And hypocrites is a, a word in Greek that means an actor, or a stage player, or someone who hides behind a mask. In fact, you may have seen... Uh, you may have seen... Um, uh, these uh, Greek plays where they wear these masks. And uh, I had a couple of them made because I couldn't find one that was sufficiently creepy. Um, but this is one of those masks. Looks familiar, right? And, and what the word um, Hippocrates, which is where we get the word hypocrite from, this is what the word was. It was for an actor or for a person who was wearing a mask. And what Jesus would say over and over again and what Jesus was always angry about were people who wore a mask. Who were something else on the outside than who they really were on the inside. And we've seen this, you may have seen this in your life that you've seen, you know, this guy who is the the happy hypocrite He's the one who walks around and when you see him, everything is great, everything is fine, how are you doing? I'm blessed, God is good, everywhere I go, I'm always happy, but in my life, inside, I've had problems with my wife or my husband, my kids won't even come home, I'm about to lose my job, I've got this thing in my side that I can't seem to figure out why it keeps hurting. And so we put on a face thinking that, man, I just don't want anyone to know that I'm having problems. When really, there are problems. And it's not that we want to just barf out all of the things that are going on in our lives. But when we put on a mask so that people don't see who we really are, then we're being a hypocrite. And so just like there's a, there's a, happy, there's a happy hypocrite, there's also an angry hypocrite. Now, some of you, you, you probably met people like this who are always complaining. They're complaining about people because they, 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 they look at women and they say they're not, not dressing well because they're letting everything hang out. And they look at men and they say, you're drinking too much and you smoking too much and you should be doing this and you guys are supposed to be doing that. And they're just angry at everybody. But inside, they're doing the same thing. That they're doing the same, they have the same problems. They're dealing with the same issues. But they don't want you to know that they're dealing with the same issues. So they put the mask on. Thinking that people are going to say, wow, that guy talks about it so much, he must really not have to deal with it anymore. When in reality, it's something that we all deal with. And this is what Jesus hated. What Jesus hated more than anything else, the thing that he talked about more than anything else, is when we show something on the outside that is different from who we are, On the inside. The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he wrote in a letter to Titus and he just captured exactly what Jesus was talking about here. He says, such people, the the hypocrites, such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. And when we look at the times that Jesus was the angriest, that Jesus was the most frustrated, It was when he was dealing with people who were doing this. That they were giving in order to be seen. That when they came to the temple and they gave, they made a big fanfare of it. They were waving around their money and they were saying, Oh God, I am giving you all that I have. And they would just make sure that everybody saw them. That is what got him upset. The people who would fast... And they would go around and their face would look so sad. And they would be talking like this. And people would say, what's wrong with you? Are you sick? No, I'm just fasting. Because I need God. Because they wanted to impress people. Or the people who, in that time, what they would do is they would go to the temple. And and in the temple courtyard, they'd find a, a, a rock or a bench or something to stand on. And then they'd get up there in front of everybody. And that's where they would pray. And they would pray these long, flowery prayers so that people would look up to them and say, Wow, that guy must really be holy because of the way that he prays. And that is what Jesus hated. When people would criticize other people and they were doing the same thing that they were were criticizing other people for. That when he saw people taking advantage of the poor. In fact, there was one time where Jesus was in the temple. And there was a people there who were taking advantage of the poor. They were there selling offerings to people. Can you imagine what that was like? They, if you needed to go and ask for forgiveness, you had to buy an offering from somebody. And these people were right in the temple selling those offerings. And Jesus, man, he didn't go to them and, and walk up to them and say, uh, Gentlemen, I don't really think that this kind of thing is inappropriate for inside the temple. No, that's not what he did. He grabbed the tables and turned them upside down and he drove them out of there. He said, no, 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 you are not going to do this in my house. And he kicked them all out. There was nowhere where Jesus spoke more harshly than when he spoke to hypocrites. In fact, Matthew would record, uh, uh, Matthew, who was one of Jesus' best friends, one of his followers, he would record Jesus saying this. He said, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he would say, you are like whitewashed tombs. And back in those days, the tombs would get dirty. And instead of cleaning them, all they would do is they would take white paint and they just wash them over. So from far away, they looked clean. But when you got up close to them, you can see that all they did was paint over the dirt. Man, that drives me nuts when people do that. You know, if you're going to paint your wall, prep the wall but don't leave the nail hanging in there and then paint over the nail. That drives me nuts. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, you're like whitewashed tombs. He says, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. He goes on to say, in the same way on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And then listen to what he calls them. He says, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? This was the type of people that he was talking to, the ones that wanted to look good on the outside while being dirty on the inside, that they wanted the illusion of public virtue, but in private, they were nurturing their vices. And see, Jesus wasn't calling out their sin. Jesus was calling out the show. See, he wasn't going after them because of the bad things that they were doing. He was going after them because they were pretending that there was nothing wrong with them. They were putting up a false face. And this is what Jesus had a problem with. You see, Jesus didn't say to them, hey, you, I want you to stop using bad language. Right? That's not what he said. In fact, if he were here, he wouldn't look at us and he would go, you know, the problem with you is is that you've been watching Game of Thrones too much. That's not what he did. You see, Jesus didn't call out the people for their sin. He called out the people for appearing to be righteous in spite of the things that they were doing. He says, do it, don't do it, and then act like that you don't do it. Don't do it and then pretend that that's not who you are. He says, woe to you who put on a show. And and the problem is, especially in the culture that we live in today, social media makes it so easy and so compelling to show the world all of the best things in our lives and to hide the worst things. I'll admit, I'll do this. Sometimes I will... We're going to have to erase this tape because I don't want this out there. But, yes, sometimes I take a selfie of myself. It's true. And if you look on my phone, which you are not allowed to do, but if you look on my phone, you'll see that some of them have five or six different shots of me. You know why? Because the first shot always gets like four or five chins. And it takes me two or three shots to get that right angle where you only see the front one and not the rest of them. I see some of you have the same problem. Because what we want to do is we want to put forward the best of who we are. And we always want to hide the worst of who we are. And so what do we do? We post pictures of us and our spouse in these wonderful places, and we comment about how, how much we love each other and how great it is to be married to this person. And meanwhile, we don't even sleep in the same bed. Which we don't sleep in the same bed, but it's because she's coughing right now, so has has nothing to do with anything else. Or or this is this is the one I love. Have you ever seen those ones where the the, the, the person is, is posting a picture of them like doing their morning devotions out over a, a, a calm, empty lake? Right, and you see the Bible and you see the, the cup of coffee because you can't have morning devotions without coffee. And it's just this perfect picture and and, and And what they don't tell you is is that they spent more time trying to get the right shot than they did actually reading the word. Because what we're worried about is what people think about us instead of what God thinks about us. See, that's the problem. And that's what God was calling out. And the problem with hypocrisy, for you and for me, the problem with it is that we don't see it. It's like spinach in your teeth. Everyone else around you can see your hypocrisy. You can't. And we actually come to this place where we start believing our own press. And we actually start to believe that we are who we're pretending to be. And then we never see it. But Jesus tells us that there is hope for the hypocrites. There is hope. And for some of us, that's us. And he's saying there is hope. Look, Matthew writes this. as This is what Jesus is saying. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And then he says something that we all know, something that if any of you have ever gone to a breakfast place or a coffee shop that you've experienced before, have you ever gone to one of those places and then you have the mug of coffee and you turn it over and you look inside and there's this like caked on coffee on the bottom of the mug? And you know why? Because somebody washed the outside of the mug, but didn't wash the inside for way too long. And now it's there. And it's going to mix with your coffee. Don't go back to those places. <laughs> right, but look, look at what he says. He says, you clean the outside of the cup and dish. There must have been pancake places back then too, because he says, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. And then he says something that is instinctive to you and I. Because if you've ever had that coffee mug or if you've ever had one of those uh, you know thermos containers that you put coffee in, you know that you don't clean the outside first. You always clean the inside first. And most of the time, by the time you're done cleaning the inside, the outside has already gotten enough soap and hot water on it that it's clean too. Jesus knew this. He says, look, He says, it's coming. Blind Pharisee First, clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then the outside will also be clean. First, do the work on the inside. And then the outside will happen. You know, when I was growing up, um, I always had, I grew up going to church all the time. I never paid attention, but I was in the church all the time. And and I had pastors, you know, from the time I was a child, there's a whole series of pastors who were in my life. And there was always something special about the pastor, like even when everyone was dressed casually, he would always be in a suit. Wherever he went, it was like I'm I, I pretty sure that for most of the pastors that I grew up with, that if you went and saw them in bed, that they would be wearing a suit because no matter where you go, they've got a suit on, right? And there was always an air about them. There was always something a little bit, you know, special, and and that, that you kind of put them up there and. And and I had always thought, especially when I started and went into ministry full time, that I thought, okay, I have to do the same thing, right? I have to have this air, this, they, they call it the pastor's mystique, that you have to have, a, 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 you know, have to dress a little bit better, You have to you have to walk around with, you know, like you know everything and you can never say that you don't have the answer and you can never say that you've been disappointed by God and you can never say that you have questions about God. You can never do that if you're a pastor. And then one day, about a year into um, our church here, about a year after we started, uh, God kind of slapped me around a little bit. And he let me realize that I was trying to put on this thing on the outside. And I wasn't thinking about all the things that was going on on the inside. And, 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 I, and I recognized That I had become a full-time pastor, but I was a part-time Christian. And there's some of you here today, you you deal with the same thing. That you're full-time in your job, or you're full-time as a parent, or you're full-time as a student. But really, you're only part-time as a Christian. And we look around and and we we see that, you know, we can skate by. And people don't know we can skate by on it. And at one point, I had to say to myself that I have to make a decision. And I decided that I would rather be an honest sinner than a lying hypocrite. And it's much to the dismay of many of you who have finally realized that this guy is nothing like any other pastor I've ever seen. Because every once in a while, a bad word will come out. And every once in a while, I'll do something stupid. I know I've let many people down. But instead of trying to hide it, I've decided that, man, this is who I am. You're just going to have to love me just like this. And that same thing is available to all of us. That we have to make a decision. That we have to be honest. So that people can see who we are. So that we're not those kind of Christians who preach grace. But then we pick people apart for the things that they do wrong. That we won't be the kind of Christians who say that we shouldn't care what other people think about us. But we always worry because we're worried about what other people think about us. That we shouldn't love this world more than we love God. Or that our feeling of safety comes from how much money we have. Instead of the connection that we have with God. Proverbs puts it like this. It says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. You see, you're only as strong as you are honest. And the great thing, the great thing is that you have nothing to fear when you have nothing to hide. You have nothing to fear when everything is already out there. Because there's nothing that anyone can hang over you Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but he has unlimited grace for a sinner in need of forgiveness. Zero tolerance if we're going to put on a show, but unlimited grace and unlimited forgiveness for those of us who say, yes, I can't do it on my own and I need you. So what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is is the gap between what we show and who we are. And our goal is is that we should be doing something to close that gap. And our instinct is that in order to close that gap, what we have to do is we have to start doing something. That we try to regulate our behavior. That the way that we close the gap between what we show other people and who we really are is to try to make ourselves more like what we show other people. But the only way to close that gap is Jesus is accepting that we will never be able to do anything well enough to close that gap and allow him to do something in our lives to make that difference. David prayed this prayer in in, in Psalms as as he he was trying to get himself to a place where he would be right with God. He says, search me, God. Search me, God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Because he knew, David knew, that at some point you get to this place where you can't tell the difference anymore, where you believe your own press, where, where you can't see the hypocrisy in you. And so he prayed the prayer that all of us need to pray. He said, search me, God. And then he says, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, you know the root issue of hypocrisy, the root issue that we have to deal with because of that, it really all comes to identity. It's who we identify ourselves as. And if your identity is based on on what you are, what you've done, if your identity is based on the company that you work for, the the business that you built, if it's based on the degree that you've earned, the career that you're in, the title that is at the beginning of your name, or the letters that are at the end of your name, if that is what your identity is based on, then you are always going to be falling into the trap of hypocrisy. And we do this for two reasons. Because if our identity is based on the things that we do and the things that we have, we're always going to be wanting to try to protect what we have now, making sure that nothing happens to the to who we are, the persona that we have, and we're always going to be defending what we're doing next. When are you going to get that next promotion? When are you going to make that next million? When are you going to get that next degree? And as long as we spend all of our energy protecting what we have now and defending what we're going to do next, we will never let our identity be who God says we are. That in God's word, he tells us that we are his child. That he loves us more than anything. That we are more than a conqueror. That we are forgiven, that we are not forsaken. That this is who we are. Because when our identity identity is in Jesus, when we find our identity in him, then we can truly live out what his word says, that there is Christ in us, the hope of glory, when he is in us. So as Sabrina leads us in this last song, talking about us being who Jesus says we are, that I am who you say I am, not who my coworkers say I am, or my brothers or sisters say I am, or my parents or my friends but I am who you, Jesus, say that I am. I want to invite you to pray this prayer this week, that whatever that hypocrisy is that we might not be able to see, that we would just pray, search me, God. Search me, God. And let me know, without a doubt, that I am who you say I am. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.